Hey, have you heard about Anchor? You probably haven't heard about Anchor yet, so let me tell you about it. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. You probably hear other people talk about how they make podcasts. If they say it's easy, they're crazy. All of their methods are really hard and complicated, but Anchor, super simple. First off, it's free. They have creation tools that let you make the podcast right from your phone. You don't even need a computer. This is 2019. Who uses computers anymore? Anchor distributes your podcast on all the other platforms. No need to go do all that complicated searching and hosting and posting. Hosting and posting. They do it for you. You can also make money from your podcast. Well, I mean, that's what I'm doing right now because you're listening to this ad. They've got everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. No need to search around all over the place. No need to go to 20 different sites. Just one. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Bet you thought I was going to sing right here, didn't you? Are you looking for the hottest news out of the obstacle racing scene? Want to stay up to date on the freshest info, the latest podiums, and hear interviews with the who's who in OCR? Well, you've come to the wrong place. Well, some of that you'll find here. But we're not the media. This is not ORM, OCM, OCRM, ORCM. This is OCR Talk. Hey, yo, this is Jason Dupree. <laughs> and I am Anna Landry. And we have yet to figure out our intro for the show, but this is OCR Talk. Thank you for listening. This is episode 18. 18. So our, our podcast is illegal adult. It could have a white claw. If it, no, that's 21. No, that's about? 21. You're thinking in European terms, I guess. Yeah, you're, you're thinking legal for other things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. That was a good show. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> <laughs> so, how do we how do we transition now to the first I don't topic? Know. I, don't, I don't. know. So anyway, <laughs> yeah. Ignore all that. I guess I don't shoot. Let's just jump right into it. We do have, you know, it's it's a kind of an off week. There's been races going on, but we've not been partaking in any of them. We've got some coming yeah. up, but they're a couple weeks off. But the OCR community has been having quite a plenty going on for us to talk about. Yes, plenty coming on with World's Toughest Mudder being two months away and other goings on in the OCR community. Yeah, so we've got some, I guess, some OCR drama to get into. There's always drama. <laughs> yeah, not as bad as other sports, but uh, I think the little bit of drama that we have keeps things interesting, keeps it oh, spicy. Oh, yeah, for sure. Keeps <laughs> things interesting. But first, I have something to throw at you first. Since okay. you're the one always asking me questions at the beginning of episodes, yep. I, I went to my chiropractor earlier this week, and he asked me a question that I've gotten on a number of different occasions from different people. Whenever we were talking about all these endurance events that I like to do and like all my training and everything, he he asked me, what drives you? And I'm like, huh. Is your chiropractor named Miles Keller? 
Because <laughs> that's his. That's a. That's one of his go-to questions for sure. Really? Because yeah, I've your, gotten that question. Your... Yeah, I've gotten that question from like different people in my running group, or different people that I've just met along the way, or you know, just random people. And I, I just realized that was just a common question that I've been getting recently. So it's, it's forced me to kind of think about that and think. Why do I do this? Like, <laughs> you don't just say, hey, I want to run a 50K or, hey, I want to run 50 miles at World's Toughest Motor or, hey, I want to participate in one of the hardest races on the planet. <laughs> you know, like you don't just wake up one day and say, I want to do that. Now, some people do. There are some people yes. out there that are like, I just need something crazy in my life and I'm going to go after this and they do it. <laughs> well, I think that exists a little bit in all of us <laughs> as endurance mm -hmm. people. But yeah, I was just curious if you could answer it on the fly. <laughs> yeah, and then you can give your what you've been telling people. <laughs> For myself, it definitely stems from the fact that I used to not do this, I guess. And I couldn't really because I get shin splints real bad. And since I got into losing, since I lost weight and got fit and was able to do more stuff, then it's just become a, well, how can I push myself and it's partly that and partly something about it is fun while you're out there sometimes it's not so fun but you know that feeling of accomplishment that we all get and I think I used to get a lot of that before I started running through traveling on a motorcycle long distances camping outdoors for multiple days in a row hiking just that sense of adventure. Yeah, very similar kind of situations where you're kind of up to your own devices and you have to take care of yourself. And you get to do things like see the sunrise on from the top of a mountain and different things like that that just make it really enjoyable. So while it is hard, for me, that end enjoyment or that midst enjoyment, you know, like you're really loving this experience that you get that you can't get anywhere else. You know, we sit mm -hmm. behind desk all day, yeah. uh, some of us, and it's something that we can't get otherwise. It's a primal, we're getting back out to nature and getting something out of life that you can't get otherwise. I think that's my drive. Hmm. Yeah, so like that sense of adventure, that sense of accomplishment that, hey, I survived this yep. big feat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I guess for me, it's, uh, multifaceted. So I guess being a nurse like and being an ICU nurse and doing critical care and emergency care and cardiac care, like I'm a little bit of an adrenaline junkie because things can change in an instant and mm. things can go south real fast. And like I've I've been in situations where like I've saved the life and it's and in the moment you don't know what's going to happen. You're just doing everything you can to, you know, that you've done in training and you've learned to do whatever you can. And that feeling afterwards, like it's so weird to see some of our patients that, you know, I know we've had to, <laughs> we've had to do that with and mm -hmm. they, you know, they're walking and talking. They're like, Hey, how are you doing? They stop by the hospital for lunch or whatever. And so, yeah, I think for me, it's a little bit of an adrenaline junkie kind of thing. There's a new podcast that I've been listening to by Ben Bajeron. 
he coaches CrossFit athletes. It's called Chasing Excellence, and it's a really good one to check out um, because it, it deals with not only the sport aspect, but the mental aspect of nice. just of sports and, you know, training. So he said it best, and I guess he put it, he put my definition into words better than I ever could. But he was talking about measuring success minute by minute, not by the end result. So like if you're training and training and training and you measure success by, oh, I'm going to go undefeated in a season. Well, you lose your first couple games and then <laughs> what? Your season's just done. You're just going to stop training. No, you don't yeah. stop training. You you keep training to get better. So yeah, I think, I think that probably put it the best way that I possibly could have. Because whenever I first started running, I signed up for a 10K because I had never run that long before in my life. <laughs> and I was like, six miles, holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that I used that as my my goal to start training for a 10K. And one day I was and you know, at this date, I was going to run that race and I was going to complete a 10K. And that was going to be my goal. I wasn't going for time. It was just completion, you know? So, mm -hmm. and then after that, it was, well, let's see how far I can run. <laughs> or let's see how much stuff I can put in the way of this six miles <laughs> and complete along the way. And yeah, and I think that's kind of where it all started for me and what, what drives me is I'm always trying to push my limits and find my limits and train and make myself uncomfortable. It's like how I tell my kids, you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, because life's just not going to be comfortable. <laughs> right. And all that stuff that I talked about doing, that's part of it. You just accept that, you know, you're on a motorcycle for 10 hours, it your booty's going to hurt. You're sleeping on the <laughs> ground day after day. It's not going to be cushy like a bed. Right. That's just part of it. Yeah. You just kind of have to suck it up and accept it for what it is. And it's in those moments where you're kind of forced to make the best out of the situation. Like, yeah, I'm sleeping on an air mattress in the middle of nowhere in nothing but a tent. But holy cow, look at the view outside my, my tent. Like those kind of situations. And you have random things happen like dog wake you up in the middle of the night and you have to get up and it's cold and you can't start a fire because it's been raining. <laughs> and the next morning you see the dog and he's friendly and he comes up to you. And it's just, you know, stuff that would never, ever happen if you just sat on your couch all day. It sounds oddly specific. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that it, that is a, a great definition that you gave and a great theme for this episode because it really is going to tie into where we're going to end with this episode and where we're going to start perfect that's fantastic i don't yeah. know how that uh, happened but <laughs> that's really cool so the the next thing to talk about is world's toughest mutter you and i have started at humble beginnings with mm -hmm. low mileage mm -hmm. and have worked our way up to be able to put in these long days and long hours and just for us too, but for a lot of people, it culminates every year in World's Toughest Mudder, where it's a, for people that don't know, it's a multi-lap race that goes for 24 hours, and some people get upwards of 100 miles here. It's an obstacle course race, of course. So, of course, of course it's an obstacle course. <laughs> so it, So it's a lot harder, you know, on your upper body and your grip and your mental fortitude as well as just your legs 
So what have you been doing lately to get ready for how hard that is going to be and how long it's going to be? Oh, just a lot of running. <laughs> a <laughs> lot of time on my feet. Like the last couple of weeks, I logged maybe about 50 miles a week, the last couple of weeks. And that's where I've been trying to get all year. And just because of time and life and scheduling and everything, I just never could get like above 30 miles a week. But then... Like, it's funny, my trail running group, they're a bunch of ultra runners. So they've like completed a bunch of 100 milers or 50 milers or whatever. And they always put things in perspective for me because they're all like, Anna, you said you were only going to run 20 miles. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it. They're, they're like, "That's." do you know how ridiculous that sounds? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you know, so I guess like whatever time I can get, I'm grateful for. But yeah, time on my feet. And I've been working a lot on like my mental game just because things have just been really overwhelming for me this year, like oddly overwhelming more mm. so than usual. And I've just been having to deal with that and having to cope with that. I'm trying to keep telling myself, you know, just put everything in perspective. This is this is happening for a reason. You know, you're not handed anything you can't overcome. So just find a way to overcome it. Just find a way to get through it, you know, whether it's, you know, through the support of other people or whether it's just toughing through it, <laughs> you know, just gritting your teeth through it and getting through it. It's it's eerie that you say that after us talking last episode about how do you handle your struggles versus right. how do you put it into perspective that it is not as bad as it could be <laughs> or as bad as somebody else has it. Exactly. You know, every everybody has something that they struggle with every day, and we all have our internal battles that we fight every day. And you know, it's just every day is progress. That's that's what I that's how I'm trying to view it. <laughs> I'm just trying to take things day by day. Like my problem is that I'm always trying to plan for the future and plan like, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if X, Y, and Z happens? Do I have a plan in place if this happens? You know. So I'm trying not to get so caught up in, you know, contingency plans. And I'm just trying to take things as they come, appreciate things for the moment that I'm in, just trying to adapt at whatever comes my way as I encounter it. Yeah. Everything's unpredictable. You can't predict anything that's going to happen to you from moment to moment. I am all for having plans, but as you're saying, you can't live by those plans, those contingency plans. For example, when I'm riding a motorcycle or in my house and a crazy thought pops in my head, like, what if I fall? What if somebody breaks in? Instead of letting it scare me, I think, okay, what would I do? What would I do and what would be the best thing for me to do to handle the situation? If I fall, do I try to catch myself? Do I lay a certain way so that I slide down the road right? If somebody breaks in, where do I head to get something to stop them? You know, like having those things ready in mind, but not really expecting that to happen. Like that's a fear and you, exactly. you have to, it's, it's healthy to be ready for it. <laughs> yeah. But if you let it control you and, and, weigh you down, then that's no good. Exactly. Yeah. It's funny you say that because there's there's this doctor that I work with that is so superstitious. 
<laughs> and you say just the wrong thing. And he's like, well, now that's just going to happen because you said it. And blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, look, we're doctors and nurses. Like, we're prepared to handle these situations yeah. if they happen. Like, don't freak out. <laughs> but he's just, yeah, always so superstitious. But yeah, it's kind of the same thing. Whenever I used to work 12-hour shifts, like, anything could happen in that 12-hour shifts. It, it never failed. Like, the unexpected would happen sometimes, and it would just totally take you by surprise. But it's almost like you just go back to your training. You know what to do. You know what mm-hmm. you're going to do if that situation arises. So it's okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's okay. You just need to take a breath, and it's going to be okay. <laughs> That's awesome. My training has consisted of same thing, you know, my getting during the week, getting runs in when I can. And usually during the week, they're, they're no more than three to five miles at the most and doing the long run on the weekend. Now, I have learned that it's better if you can get longer mileage all week rather than saving it up for the weekend. Yeah. But uh, that that's that's where I am. I don't have that opportunity unless I take time away from my family. Yeah. So my weekends usually consist of one good long run and I'm slowly building that. So like every, once I got to, you know, 10 miles or so, then I just increase it by like a mile a week or something like that. They say do like 10%. So if you're at 10 miles and a mile a week is, is about there. Now I also, whenever I do a race, usually try to incorporate as many laps as I can, or at least a couple, like Conquer the Gauntlet, I did four laps there. At Savage coming up, I know I'll do at least two, and then run the next day too. Also, I have planned as many longer races throughout the year to help build up for it as well. Like the Ultra Beast in Glen Rose will be two weeks before World's Toughest. Yeah. So that's a good measurement of how am I doing. Right. And then from that point on, I can taper to be ready for World's Toughest. Yeah, that's something different I've had to do this year, too, is pick and choose what races are better for me to do. Because if if World's Toughest Mudder is my end game, then what am I scheduling throughout the year in order to prepare for that? Yeah, when you see pros talk about A races and B races, and when you get into this kind of situation where you're going for a goal... It really puts it in perspective and you realize why they do that. Right. Because are you setting yourself up for failure, uh, for success or for failure with the way you treat the rest of your year? Yeah. And there's there's been plenty of races too this year that have just been fun races for me. Just because I've, I'm trying not to get so caught up in in putting so much pressure on myself to perform the way I want to perform, you know, and just schedule those races just as fun races just to do for fun and just hang out with friends or you know instead of being worried about right perform- yeah getting a certain placement or exactly something. yeah so yeah you definitely have to throw those in there too yeah just for your mental sanity <laughs> yeah, right so what is I, I believe we've talked about this before but it's been a while if we have what is your goal for world's toughest uh, my goal for World's Toughest is 50 miles, which being my first time at World's Toughest, I no, that's awesome. Well, I, I, like every time I tell somebody that, they look at me and they just they just pause. 
them before they say anything else. <laughs> and they're like, okay. <laughs> just because I guess, I mean, just, just fathoming running 50 miles is just, to me in my mind, it's becoming a little bit more attainable in my mind just because of the amount of time that I'm running and, you know, everything like that. So it's becoming a little bit more attainable in my mind. But also, um, I'm trying to tell myself, well, let's go out there and let's shoot for 75. Because if we shoot for 75 and we get 50, I'll be okay. <laughs> I'll be okay with 50 miles. So you train for, you know, you hear a lot of athletes about uh, talk about how they train for this many miles, but they're re really their goal is, you know, less than that because you want to train for more than what you, you, you know, you want to train for. Yeah, give yourself, give give yourself, yourself a cushion. cushion right. So you want to train for more miles than you're actually shooting for. I mean, if I can get to 75, hot damn, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, seeing you at endurance events, I have no doubt that you can get 50 miles as long as you keep yourself moving. Yeah. People talk about it like, if I walk the whole way, how far can I <laughs> right. get? And people, some people say that there are people that have walked and gotten 50 miles. Yeah, power walked the whole time. Yeah, you, I mean, you just got to have a good, a good solid pace right. and keep it up the whole time. And you just have to, yeah, keep moving keep fueling and keep hydrated and yeah i think that's that's my thing is i just need to keep moving and keep going not stop for too long yeah i i, I can't remember what exactly what you said happened at toughest but I, I feel like you did pretty good there and that's kind of what you need to take into world's toughest and my first world's toughest my the only one i've done so far in 2016 i had probably about 20 minute to 30 minute pits and in the middle of the night, I probably took about a half hour nap. Mm -hmm. I fell asleep, but let myself get cold. So it'd wake me back up. And that was still enough, even with the, the latter half of the, the race walking most of it, I was still able to get 50 miles. So like I said, if you can keep yourself going and keep your pit times small, you'll, yeah. you can definitely achieve it for sure. Yeah. I think I've gotten my pit strategies down to where I'm comfortable because I, I work out like that. I train like that to where, you know, I'm going to work out for this, this amount of time and I'm going to take a break at X amount of hours or X amount of minutes and grab a pit bag because I have everything laid out in lap bags. Nice. So grab a pit bag and just keep on going and keep on trucking. So that's, that's just how I've been training. So I'm comfortable with that. and. Hopefully. That's awesome. And I think I need to get myself another, a second, I don't know what you call those little, those little spy you know, waistbands that you, yeah, it's one of those things uh, so that whenever I come in, my crew that I'll actually have this time, <laughs> whereas di I didn't have a crew the first time, uh, will be able to fill it up for me so I can just grab one for the next lap right. whenever I come in. Yeah. So what I did for like for battle, I think I started doing it last year at one of the maybe it was Mandeville that I started doing it, that I started creating lap bags because I heard about how Ryan and Lindsay have like these lap bags. They just grab and go and they spend like yeah, maybe cool. max 30 seconds in the pit, which is insane. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I started creating these lap bags in each one. I would say, OK, I have this many miles per lap, what do I need to make it through that lap? So I would put like maybe a couple gels or maybe a waffle in there or something like that. I would just put it into 
little separate bags and before the race lay out however many bags like if I wanted to do five laps I'd have like maybe six to eight lap bags just in case stuff just laid out in my in my gear bag just so I could just grab and go so yeah I highly recommend a spy belt because that's been one of my best investments and it's super cheap to have one and to run with um but you run with those high leech shorts so they have those pockets on the sides those pockets are awesome yeah with the zippers on them yeah i do love those girls don't have options like that <laughs> except for the human octane shorts the human octane shorts are clutch mm. i love those <laughs> things well don't a lot of i mean maybe yeah even some of the tights will have the the pouch in the back with a zipper on them that you can put stuff in yeah, because I, I remember I had planned to run in those at Endure the Gauntlet, and then I, <laughs> I, I ended up falling asleep in them. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, my human octane tights have like a zipper pouch in the back, and it's mesh, and it's um, stretchy enough to hold a bunch of stuff that I need to, to hold. Yeah. And then I can al- always run with a spy belt, too, to hold extra stuff. So Now, one thing I am considering is whether or not to run with a hydration pack and i didn't i didn't at toughest and i was able to keep my pit times down to five minutes and i just made sure i drank Mm -hmm. more on course as well and i felt like it worked well so i'm gonna try and go with that again so as long as i'm moving and and not walking because obviously if you're walking you're going slower and you're out there longer right but if i'm still moving at a at a at a a pace <laughs> I'll, I'll probably not go on course with a hydration pack i don't like running with a hydration pack i mean for the ultra beast i probably will just because one lap is at least 13 miles right so i probably will game. for the yeah you know the laps are a lot longer so i usually don't go with a hydration pack for anything less than 10 miles because i can i know i can go at least 10 miles without carrying anything with me as far as hydration goes. I've actually started to find that the the issues that I've some of the issues, not my blood loss, but the, some of the issues that I've been having whenever I run long distances and get uh, headaches after and get where it's kind of tough to take in a good solid breath. I really am starting to think that it's hydration because yeah. I did that this past weekend where I went ran 10 miles before a workout. And when I got done with the the running, I was good, but started to work out and I started having trouble, like really keeping my breath. And so I just started chugging water and it it slowly came back to me and I started feeling Mm -hmm. all right. So I'm really going to start testing that uh, as much as I can until World's Toughest to see if I just I may just not be drinking enough. Yeah. And don't forget about your electrolytes. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't we say that in another episode? But yeah, that was another one of those things that I've been doing leading up to this is going on long runs without hydration. Pretty much anything, anything 10 miles or less, I don't, I know I don't need a hydration pack or like a handheld bottle or something because the least amount of stuff I can have on me, (laughs) (laughs) the better. Like I've even started running without my heart rate monitor strap because I just, I don't like seeing it on my watch for one, but I don't like having yet another thing strapped to me that I have to worry about. You know, like I like just having my watch and maybe my headphones if I'm, you know, if it's a long (laughs) run, maybe my headphones and my spy belt with my phone and my fuel. And that's about it because I feel like 
technically I'm supposed to be programmed with Richard Diaz in Yancey Camp, so he's probably going to kill me for <laughs> this, <laughs> not looking, not paying attention to my heart rate, but I feel like I've been running long enough to know that, you know, where I'm feeling comfortable and where, when I feel like I'm pushing myself and when I feel like I need to kind of back off a little bit, because I don't know if, I don't know if you've had the same experience, but whenever I've been training with my heart rate strap or something that tells me my heart rate variability, I just get so caught up in it and mm. it it starts playing head games with me like, oh, my heart rate's this, maybe I should back off a little bit, but I don't feel like I need to back off a little bit. Like, <laughs> you know, so I just get so caught up in it that I just didn't feel, I felt like I was holding my training back and I felt mm. like I, I knew my body better than my heart rate strap. So, <laughs> yeah, there's definitely something to be said about listening to your body, but there's also something to be said about the science behind your heart rate and the numbers. Right. But which one works for you? You know, <laughs> exactly. If you're going to take all that, those numbers and analyze them and, and find the, the answer behind all that data, then great. But if you're not, yeah. maybe it's not worth it. I don't know. You know, again, I'm my background is cardiac nursing, so I'm a geek about these <laughs> things. So it's like, well, I mean, it's only measuring one lead. So how does it really know my heart rate is this much? So, <laughs> so nice. you know, yeah. So I'm like, well, my pulse doesn't feel like 168. Am I really at 168? I don't feel like <laughs> I'm at 168. My effort doesn't feel like I'm at 168. So I, I've just been kind of going by feel. Well, talking about all the gear uh, you know, that you can bring with you, what about gloves? Do you ever wear gloves when you're either training or have you ever used them on course? That's <laughs> that's one thing I'm, I've been kind of thinking about because I've never, ever, 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 ever trained with gloves. Maybe once in a blue moon, I've tried them just to try them out, but it, it never lasted longer than like a minute. Because I just don't like using gloves on an <laughs> obstacle course. Yeah. I don't. But I took your advice and I ordered <laughs> those bleg mitts from Evan and they came super fast. Well, that's going to be more useful just for the cold, not for right, right. keeping your hands uh, protected. Exactly. So, but that was my, that was my next thought when I, after I got them was, I wonder if I should put my gloves on underneath this so that and I'm thinking I might try and test some gloves out just to see how they feel that's the only thing I'm worried about is because I know during 24 hours my hands are going to get ripped to shreds not necessarily well not yeah you're right not necessarily particularly in a race like this because when you say you do Funky Monkey and you fail, you're not going to get out of the water and go try it again. You're more than likely you're just going to go ahead and hit the penalty lap. Take the penalty loop. Yeah. And, and that in itself is going to keep you from tearing your hands up because you're not going to be trying things over and over. Right. And they don't have as many grip intensive, intensive obstacles as some other races. Right. Now, not saying it won't happen, but it's I think it's less likely. Like, I was able to go 24 hours without ripping my hands. Yeah. It's possible. Just I, I just don't like gloves. I just don't like gloves during an obstacle course. You know, just. Sure. There's no better grip than, than your, your hands. And the, the reason I ask is because it's kind of come up in a couple of different discussions. My thought has always been wear gloves when I'm at the gym because the a lot of times the bars on weights are knurled and they will eat up your hands. Mm -hmm. And when you're doing 
you know, pull-ups or swing in on obstacles, your hands get tore up. And I, it, the longer my hands are not tore up, the more I can do it. So that's my thought on using gloves in the gym. But, you know, if your hands do have some callus, you just don't want to have a lot so that callus doesn't right. rip off. Yeah. But if you keep it filed down and your hands are tough, then they will last a long time. So I, I don't know where the balance is or if, you know, some people, I actually asked Mo from Link Endurance and he said he just doesn't wear any ever, even when he weight trains. So that's how I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only weird one. <laughs> <laughs> But even when I weight train, I don't I don't go to the gym and sling around weights per se. I Yeah, like you're to doing do, more sandbags and stuff. Right. I like yeah, I like to do like the more unstable load training cuz I feel like I get I don't know, just a more full body workout from the unstable load with the sandbags. Yeah. I feel like it mimics a race a little bit better than just having static weights. Sure. I don't have to worry about <laughs> the bars on the at the gym or anything yeah like you're that. right i just and you know i have a portable gym in my in the trunk of my car <laughs> <laughs> a conversation that came up recently after conquer a gauntlet was obstacle backups and retry lanes and uh, getting to skip a line if there is one for first attempts what do you think about all that getting to skip a line for first attempts well it's Gosh. a tricky topic yeah, because that is. it depends it depends on the race to me. Yeah. Because I'm thinking in terms of conquer the gauntlet which you know if you feel an obstacle fine but then you have to move to the back of the line but there can be like 15 people that came all of a sudden between that time. Their rules do say that you move to the left lanes as a retry lane but that doesn't really happen. And if you don't have somebody there enforcing that, then how can you expect everybody to follow it? Yeah, and that's not really a well-known rule. Rule, yeah. Yeah, because I don't think I've ever heard that before today. <laughs> yeah, it's it's in there somewhere. I know it's, I've seen it. Yeah, and, but yeah, now that you mention it, I know it's in there somewhere. But yeah, if you don't have anybody enforcing that and it's not common knowledge, then... You know, it kind of goes back to our team race whenever they only had the one slingshot for us all to mm -hmm. all to try. Like, do we just try until we hit it or do we try, you know, however many times and then too bad, so sad. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, and the rule just, they came up with worked for, you know, they came up with it at, at the last second. But it, yeah, it <laughs> we kind of all agreed on it that it, that was the most fair thing to do during the race. So. Well, I think that court, uh, races like obstacle course race and world championships, OCR world championships, they have retry lanes that are actually marked and they try to do a better job with volunteers and whatnot, too. So that's not a bad idea. A retry lane does work like we've seen it work at these races, at these big, you know, large format races. So we know it works. But when it comes to a smaller race, Conquer the it's kind of right in that middle ground where you can have a big crowd and really competitive people, but they just don't have, I guess, the numbers and volunteers or staff to really handle that the best way, I guess. Yeah, I think this is where I think penalty loops are kind of helpful. They do alleviate some of that, yeah. Right, because, I mean, really, for example, the Tarzan rig at Conquer the Gauntlet, 
if you can get through it, it's going to take you maybe 30 seconds to a minute to get through it. The penalty loop, I think, for it to be considered a good penalty loop, has to be comparable to that obstacle. So if it's going to take you roughly a minute to get through an obstacle, if you can get through it, if you can't get through it, then the penalty loop has to be equitable to the time you would have spent on that obstacle. Or if not more. Right. If not more. Three, five minutes. Right. So, like, for example, our penalty loops at Toughest South, I mean, they they were kind of They could have been a little longer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, some of them were good. Like, the yeah. sandbag carry at Everest was good. Right. Just the tip was the one that everybody not complained about because we we were glad that it was short, but yeah. <laughs> everybody <laughs> mentioned when they talked about how short the penalty loops were. Yeah. I mean, you, you had to take an extra lap or whatever, but it pretty much came right back out onto the course. It was not bad at all. <laughs> it was not bad at all. It was maybe like 200 meters. Like it, it really wasn't bad. So I, I think there's a, there's plenty of discussion that can happen there, but it, it all, it all depends on the semantics of everything else is is my thought. Yeah, for sure. That's that's why I think penalty loops or even what is that race series in in Europe? Toughest that Toughest. has a different lanes. Yeah, they'll have a, a, a regular lane and then a an elite lane. And the elite lane, if you pass it, you actually bypass a second obstacle right after, like a low crawl or a wall or something. And if you if you fail it, you've you've only got one shot to to try it. So mm-hmm. if you fail it, you got to go do the penalty loop on the regular side. It, I believe you can try it multiple times. And if you can't get it, you can still do the penalty loop or maybe just a barbed wire crawl because those take forever anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, barbed wire crawl up and down a hill, back and forth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Yeah. At the Force 5 rig. Right. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Those always take forever. There's no running through that. <laughs> Mud Run Guide has a lot of people that do articles for it. And like Evan Preparis does some. You'll see multiple different people that contribute to that. And recently... Mike Crimmins wrote an article on Mud Run Guide about OCR podcast. So amongst the likes of Obstacle Dominator, Obstacle Race and Media, Link Endurance, World's Toughest Podcast, I Am a Spartan, we got mentioned as well as a new podcast this year, which, you know, we started in what, February or so? Something like that, I think. We got a, a shout out with the list of the rest of the the rest of the OCR podcast, which Made me made me feel pretty legit. It was pretty pretty awesome. Uh, really appreciated that. And I, I like the the what he said about us too. He said uh, OCR Talk is a new podcast this year and one that quickly become a must listen for me. Instead of focusing on news and interviews, Jason and Anna talk about all aspects of OCR in an easy to listen format. I feel like I need some easy listening music behind me. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> They're based out of Texas and Louisiana, so I love that they talk about many of the same races I'm running. So that must mean that he's from around here. So Mike Crimmins, where are you, where are you based? However, they also discuss topics that have a national interest. And that's true. All that is true. And Thanks, I'm, Mike. I'm proud, to, I'm proud of it. That's awesome. And Mud Run Guide is like one of the go-tos for everything OCR happening. In his about 
the author, it says he enjoys craft beer in New Orleans restaurants. So uh, I take it he's from that area. I wonder if Mike has drank with Mark. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to reach out to him and, and see if we can find out. For sure. But yeah, that was awesome. And I think everybody out there has that got mentioned maybe except for Obstacle Dominator, <laughs> has been very <laughs> thankful. Like, everybody's been making posts saying, hey, thanks for the shout-out. Yeah. Obstacle Dominator. Benny and Hunter are too busy, like, running in forests and falling off trees and <laughs> lifting heavy stuff. <laughs> Benny running you saw that? down a... Yeah, running down running a... Running down a tree. <laughs> was he in a redwood forest? I mean, that was a pretty big tree he was Yeah, on. he was... Running on a tree. And then he tried to dodge a spider and fell off. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Benny's, I mean, anytime you watch this stuff, that dude, he does. He's hilarious. He does. He's pretty entertaining, yeah. that's for sure. Oh, yeah. It was good to see him at Conquer the Gauntlet, too. Shout out, Benny. Yeah. Yeah. Wiping his arms down in the grass. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we did that last episode, but hi, Benny. We saw you. Yeah, we talked about how, uh, I don't know if he listens to us. I don't know if he heard us talk about how his feet were hitting the water because he's so tall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Hunter, <laughs> Hunter loves ripping on people and yes. he likes calling out Robert Killian. I don't know why. It's, it's just Where did that whole beef punching, get started? Yeah, where I just want to know. I, did it get started at a Tahoe Spartan World Championship or something? I don't know where it happened. I don't know if there's any beef coming from Robert's side, so I don't know if it's just Hunter being Hunter yeah. or if there's something else Robert's behind it. Robert's kind of taken the whole, I'm just going to keep quiet. <laughs> <laughs> so Hunter couldn't help but point out that Robert Killian picked up a sandbag at one of these last uh, Spartan races, and it looked pretty light. Like, he picked it up, yeah. and there was sand pouring out of it, and... Ryan Woods came right behind him and picked up a obviously heavier heftier bag. bag. Correct. And so Hunter, I didn't, I feel like I got to watch the video, but I couldn't turn on the sound wherever I was. So I didn't hear what Hunter said about it. Uh, did you catch, did he I didn't hear ca- say that he grabbed the girl's bag or something? Yeah. I, I read the caption on the Instagram and say, <laughs> obviously it's a girl's bag, it's a women's sandbag or something, <laughs> or obviously it's leaking. So yeah. <laughs> Basically, he called out Robert Killian's integrity, which love Hunter and all, but really, you're going to call out the guy on his integrity. I don't buy that. You know, people people are going to look at Hunter and be like, how dare you kind of thing. Yeah. But to me, if to me as a racer, I think I would have done the same thing if I would have seen the footage afterwards. Yeah. As a competitive racer, I probably would have done the same thing in his position. However, you are a racer that knows what it's like to be in that position. So (laughs) you know that you're like running a really exhaustive race. You're, you know, you're pushing it and you might not notice the bag is leaking whenever you throw it over your shoulders or whatever. You just grab a bag and you throw it on you. It was clearly a men's bag because the women's bag has red straps on it and there wasn't red straps right. on that bag. So it was clearly a men's bag, but it did look like it was leaking. However, as Joe D.I. pointed out in Matt B. Davis's podcast earlier this week, it's not the athlete's mm-hmm. responsibility to say, hey, my sandbag's leaking. 
it's not the athlete's responsibility to notice that. Yeah, and I do think that they did a fantastic job. Spartan, Jody I did a fantastic job of stepping up and saying, hey, that's our fault. That's on us. It's not on the athlete. And and Matt did a great job of covering that. And, you know, this discussion has been going on for, what, a week or yeah. two now. <laughs> and I, I think all that has been said, and I agree with pretty much everything they said. Yeah. What what I, I wanted to kind of get out of this is when this kind of stuff comes up, if you don't look at it with a, a light heart, I think it's kind of silly. Yeah. Like, does Hunter go to bed at night being like, that freaking Robert <laughs> Killian? <laughs> no, I, I seriously doubt he does. I think even he probably has a light heart about it, even though he, like, he does that stuff for fun. You know how he is on his show, even. Yeah. They're like, all right, it's time to, it's time to trash <laughs> yeah. talk. So I, I think, you know, people, a lot of people get so quick to just get nasty and uh because it's not, the internet and social just let it, media <laughs> it's so much right. easier to get ugly and nasty when you're sitting behind your computer and you're not having to face people <laughs> i think it's it's kind of fun to be honest <laughs> like i robert killian shouldn't be the one that's the butt of the the right. joke here but it, it you know whenever this kind of stuff comes up it's kind of, it's comical to yeah. be honest <laughs> And if you can take it with a light heart, I, th I think that's the the best thing we can do. Really, put this in perspective. You're gonna you're gonna fuss at him for a sandbag <laughs> in a race, really. Now I do agree that Robert Killian has his place to be upset with Hunter. I do agree yeah. that Evan or Ryan Woods have their reasons to be upset with each other. But for all the rest <laughs> of us that are not directly involved in those conversations just entertainment just exactly just let it go but people like to add fuel to the fire it's just more fun that way because that's just our nature it's sad but true i know mark duplessis is one of those kind of people <laughs> that uh, just likes to watch the world burn but we all know? love him for it at the end of the day we all <laughs> love him for it well it's it's like hunter it's like yeah we get to kind of laugh at his, his <laughs> exactly. goofiness at, at exactly. times <laughs> okay so uh before we get off of spartan as a topic they had this huge announcement that they you know did a whole sneak peek or a no stay yeah kind of but yeah like like stay tuned we yeah. got big news coming up and it's a uh, but that huge announcement came out, and it's like, we've got this new sponsor, Rakuten. And it's like, what what the heck is that? And so it didn't feel like big news. It felt like they were putting out uh, a lot of... A lot of hype. A lot of hype for, for what? But after them talking about it and uh, the guy from Spartan getting on ORM and talking about it, it does seem like it's going to be a cool thing. It is hard to grasp how how does this affect me as a everyday average joe racer mm -hmm. but I, I do think that they're going to have some cool stuff that come out of it whether it's technology that helps us in communication with the race or just user experience overall being better i i do look forward to it but it didn't feel all that amazing <laughs> if i was a business pro and i knew these big, giant, massive right. companies, I'm sure it would have been like, oh, that's amazing. Exactly. That's awesome. Like, they built up to it. Like, they were going to tell us that they got sponsored by Nike or something. Oh, God forbid. <laughs> God forbid right now they get sponsored by Nike. But <laughs> 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 it's 
something similar to that. <laughs> All right, let's let's bring this back full circle. Unless you got anything before we do that. Nope, I got nothing. Okay, full circle. Warrior Dash just announced today, like perfect day for recording an episode because this just came out today. They've got for 2019 two new distances. Warrior Dash being one of the entry level races has always been a 3K race. 3K, 12 obstacles, not a huge, not a huge deal. For people, for beginners, it's a great place to start. The obstacles aren't crazy hard. They're very doable. It's not a long distance. And so it gets a lot of people into the sport. So their new distances are a one mile and a six mile. Yeah. I don't know that that silence was about what I <laughs> no. expect to hear from that <laughs> announcement. The one, well, and no, I- they have the one mile, <laughs> the five K. I've got to make sure I don't uh, let have. the trunk. <laughs> I got to make sure I don't let the truncate silence <laughs> remove that silence there. Cause I, I want it. I think it fit. Well, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> well, so no, they have the one mile, they have their usual 5K option, and the 10 mile, or the 10K, not 10 mile. Oh, Lord, if they if they release the 10 <laughs> mile. No, 10K. <laughs> All right, let's break this down, and then I'm going to really tie it in back to the beginning. <laughs> the one mile, <laughs> as a joke, my thought is, is this a kid's course? I'm thinking so. Because that's how long the kids course is for a lot of races. But in all seriousness, it's not. It is. I mean, there are plenty of people out there that aren't running three miles. They don't want to run three miles. Or To think that they can run go for a mile is a long right. ways. And it's not. I mean, that it sounds silly coming, you know, after you've been in this sport for so long. But that's this is one of the entry level races, and that's what they go after. So they're that's what I take it. They're going after you know, people that want even shorter distance. I mean, God forbid they do a half mile, but I mean, Tough Mudder X is a mile, right? But obviously, the obstacles and everything are much much Correct. tougher than Warrior. They Dash. also, yeah, they market it as the hardest mile on the planet. <laughs> people want to get in the mud. You don't feel like you can do five miles. I mean, I would hope that you could convince anybody to say, hey, let's go do a mile. Yeah. Now, that's awesome. Yeah. To get those people that you wouldn't be able to get otherwise. My problem with it is, what's what's parking? 10 bucks? 15 bucks? Something like that. At least 10 or $15. What's entry for this? I know the entry for the for the regular Warrior Dash, the, the 5K, is probably at least like, what, maybe $25, $30? Hmm. I'm going to say more like 40 or so. Maybe. We could we could fact check this, but we're not going right. to do it right now. At least somewhere 30 <laughs> to $40. We don't fact check. Just like Matt did doesn't edit. We don't fact check. <laughs> <laughs> well, their second lap option that you can add on is $20. So I would think that the regular race is at least 40 Right. So how much are they going to charge for a one mile? How much are you going to pay... Between parking and the race and the fees to go do a mile. Right. So if they market the mile, let's say they market the mile at $15, you're already going to spend another at least maybe 10 or $15 in parking. There's no way they're going to make it the same price as the parking. That would, and that would just, be well, too silly. I mean, I, and I guess that just depends on the venue too. 
20 bucks 20 bucks for the mile let's i mean it's yeah supposed to have let's say 20 10 obstacles yeah in it. let's say eight obstacles, yeah. 10 obstacles let's say 20 dollars for the mile and you pay at least probably 15 dollars in fees to be honest with insurance and everything well the the kids races they don't while there are some races that might be like 25 bucks for the kids the with the fees it's usually not as much more as it is for the, the adult course so I don't know if that'll be the same here. My point is, you should just—you might as well just run the regular Warrior Dash length course. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> is well, if you're gonna still, if you're gonna, we have run to go back to some people. And pay twenty dollars and fifteen dollars in parking and fifteen dollars in fees. <laughs> you might as well just sign up for the regular course. <laughs> well, I get that some people still don't want to do that distance, but I, I'm just. I, I would I would be curious to see how well it does to see who is going to pay that much to go do a mile obstacle run. And anybody that signs up to do a mile obstacle run probably hasn't been in this sport or doesn't, you know, they're just doing it for fun. No. So, I right. mean, who cares? Right. Spend your money on what you want. Yeah. And, and, they, and they may, but that's the thing. Will they? And that's my question is, and until, so, you, you know, to be seen, yeah. How well will it do? They pay it for their kids to run a mile, mm-hmm. so I think they'll pay it to run a mile with their kids, just to just will to experience it with kids their kids. Be allowed on the? Oh, yeah. That would be funny, you know. Most courses you have to be sixteen or whatever right. to run them. That would be pretty funny if you had to be sixteen to do the one mile. <laughs> well, no, I think course. I think uh, Warrior Dash's age limit is ten, so you have to be at least at least ten. Oh, okay. I think I saw somewhere that you have to And I, I know the obstacles are going to be bigger than a kid's right. race, hopefully. Yeah. But, I mean, they're still pretty basic. So, I think a, at least a 10-year-old can do Warrior Dash's obstacles, being that they're built safely. <laughs> All right. So, one mile, the the regular three 3K, and then the 6K. So... Six mile? They said it's going to be... Two laps of the three K, which means you're going to sorry yeah, the five K. So that means that they're going to do the same obstacles twice. Yeah. So you're going to pay instead of forty dollars, you're going to pay sixty for the ten K. Seventy to run the same course twice. To run the same course twice. You could do it now before. You used to be able to. Apparently, you can't over the past year, two years. I mean, I haven't run one in a couple of years. Well, I so. know, I know. Nathan ran five laps of it for Team Blue Line because that's how he raised money for Team Blue Line. So he raised. Okay. He, he ran. So he didn't pay an extra twenty bucks every lap. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it <laughs> because he was raising. It was all for charity. <laughs> and that's one thing. Like like Savage allows you to go run a second lap for free. You know, just don't take. Yeah, as long. I mean, shirt, as long as but, you're not trying to place or you know get prize money or whatever. It it almost feels like let's charge people because we know that some people won't realize and they'll just do it. I I don't know. It's I we'll mean, see how it all pans out. If there's if it I mean if it's like I doubt though that they're gonna put this much effort into the 10k race. That's the only thing with Warrior Dash is that yeah they can make a 5k course. Yes, they can, and they have mm-hmm. their set obstacles. So. It doesn't seem feasible to me that they would be at a venue that they could create a 10K course with just one lap with, you know, different obstacles spread throughout the kit, throughout the course. Yeah, and they're not going to do that and they're not going to add extra obstacles as 
world um, as Tough Mudder does now with their second Correct. lap, where you have a second obstacle to do at that same spot as the first yeah. obstacle. Part of me feels a little. I mean, obviously, we're we're really kind of picking this <laughs> apart. It's weird. <laughs> and part of me feels bad about it because I don't like to be nasty. I like to be a nice guy. But also, I, it all it just keeps popping back into my head. This is war. This is Warrior it's Dash. Warrior Dash. This it's is like the, the entry level OCR. And and that's great. That's it's got its place for people. But it's the same race that had the obstacle fall exactly. down in Louisiana. Yeah. And now they can't do races in Louisiana. Exactly. Thanks, Warrior Dash. So it and it's it's very unfortunate that that stuff happens. Yeah. And it's just they've got a tarnish, I guess. Yeah. So. Is that making me more like more inclined to pick this apart? I don't yeah. know. Maybe. Well, it's kind of like it's kind of like terrain race. Like I, I I signed up for terrain race in New Orleans in November, but is it going to be an okay experience now that I'm hearing so much negative press about it? Like, are they really going under? Is this mm. race really going to happen in November? <laughs> <laughs> like, and at the same time, you know, we do pick these things apart because we do love the sport and we want it to be. At the best it can right. be. So let's uh, let, let's not be too nasty. Let's and on a positive note, Warrior Dash does partner with St. Jude, so a lot of their registrations and proceeds go to St. Jude. So I mean, I hope it it's successful for the sake of that charity. Yeah, and, and we are doing that. You know, we are saying I I see what the the one mile is for, who it's for, the two laps on the six mile. That part just feels like a business move where they could have just kept it as you can run a second lap if you yeah. want to. Or just like have like a multi-lab option. Like, is it Terrain Race that does that? That says, hey, you can pay this price and you can run as many laps as you want. Yeah, but that feels like the same kind thing. Of. Like a, just a cash yeah. grab. Like, just let me, I paid to be out here. Just let me keep going yeah. all day. <laughs> but in the two-lap format, what who else does that? Spartan Ultra Beast. Yeah. Is a two-lap format of the same course tough tough mutter their course is two laps now yeah even though it's different obstacles mixed throughout yeah i will say this about the spartan ultra beast is they treat it as a regular ultra run they treat it as a regular ultra marathon is you have time cutoffs if you don't meet the time cutoffs then you dnf that and they'll have an extra piece somewhere yeah. that you don't get on the regular course and you have the pit station and you have the bibs right. and they do put that attention to detail in there that make it special and I kind of doubt we're going to see that from a six mile course. Right. <laughs> Will there be anything different? Will it just be a shoot where you don't cross the finish and you just keep on going? Like what's going to happen? Well, you know, that's yet to be seen. Yeah. That'll be interesting to see what it's like at the first at the first one. So as I said, full circle, there is a place f for this for people. While we started somewhere and now we're to the point to where, you know, we've got these lofty goals for World's Toughest Mutter. By the way, I, I didn't say what mine yeah, was. Yeah, what Mine's is your goal? 75. I figured that was your goal for World's it's, Toughest It's lofty because <laughs> I did 50 last time. It's lofty, but that's my goal. It's doable, though. So uh, that's what I'm chasing. But I've also signed up uh, just today for a 30-mile race, trail race in January and a 50-mile in February nice. because I heard Mo talking about the 50-mile one near here, about an hour, maybe an hour or half away. 
uh, in February. So it's like, that's cool. I've been looking to do a longer race, but I didn't know I didn't want to have to travel far for it. And I feel like those are will keep me uh, give me a good reason to train through the off season. Yeah. So that's my purpose for that. But where did I come from? When I first started, it was let me see how fast I can do a mile. Let me see if I can actually go three miles. Let me see if I can do four without stop. You know, like you start you We all started somewhere. Mm-hmm. Some people started when they were kids, but they still started somewhere. And that's what I think all this long distance training that we have, these short courses that they have, it's what drives you to get out there. What drives somebody to say, I'm going to stop sitting on the couch all day and I'm going to go walk a mile, get muddy, climb over some walls. And I've never done that before. So there's my full circle. That's a perfect thought. I I was listening to another one of the ultra red team ambassadors, Gary Stotler, who just finished the Leadville 100. He was asked what running meant to him. And he said it took 166 something thousand steps for him to finish the Leadville <laughs> 100. But the most important step was that first one that he decided to take whenever he was 300 plus pounds and he decided he needed to change his life Mm. and he needed to get fit in order to, you know, be there for his kids and have the energy to be there for his kids and his family. So that was the most important step for him. And that was awesome. Yeah. And just how running in general or just, you know, fitness in general is, it's almost like a spiritual journey that, that you take within yourself you have to find that internal motivation to keep yourself going and to get yourself started first of all we sit here and we joke about warrior dash i got started at warrior dash (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. that was my first ocr way back in the i still have the medal for it hanging on my wall (laughs) with all my other medals because it's not silly to me it's it's there that's how i got started is it was insanely fun and i wanted to do it over and over and over again. And then after that, I decided I wanted to start running and I wanted to sign up for a 10K to see if I could finish a 10K. And then after that, you know, I wanted to start doing obstacle races competitively. Like, so it all leads to something. Mm -hmm. And I think it just all starts with that decision to just take that first step. That's it. That's it right there. You summed it up. You brought it back. (laughs) Full circle. It's good stuff. I think I got chills when you said the, the first part about the first step of him being 300 yeah, pounds. Yeah, and it's amazing. He has um, he has a Facebook page, Gary Stotler. Um, he has a Facebook page from 400 to 26.2. It's awesome. You should check, check it out. Just say. Cool. <laughs> Very inspirational. If you ever want to get pumped up about just running, go watch. I know I've said this before. Go watch some of those little short documentaries on people doing 100 milers. Oh, yeah. man. I mean, it's like it's like watching Rocky makes you want to go go out and train. Yeah. <laughs> you watch those and it makes you want to yeah. go run. And there's there's That's a really amazing. good podcast episode. I'm going to mention another podcast. It's an ultra running podcast. It's the Rich Roll podcast. And he interviewed Rich, Rich? Roll. R-O-L. Uh-huh. Roll? R-O-L-L. And okay. he interviews cool. this guy and I cannot remember his name, but it he, it's a two hour long podcast episode. So it's perfect for a long run. <laughs> so you listen to it and this, and they just talk about 
what I what I just talked about how running is like like a spiritual journey. Like we we inherently in our DNA, we have running in our DNA. So it's like, you know, we have to run from threats and predators and things like that. So mm-hmm. it's like it's <laughs> in our DNA. So it's like finding ourselves in running and how it's like this spiritual journey. And I only listen to snippets of it, so I haven't listened to the whole thing, <laughs> so I can't speak to it personally, but I'm looking forward to listening to it on my like next long runs. If you can find a link for it, we'll make a post Absolutely. about it. Cool. Well, coming up, I know we've got Savage Race in a couple of weeks here. You're going to be out, out yep. for that in uh, Savage Race Dallas. For Savage Race, we decided... We're going to try and come back to Louisiana for that Breaking 2 electric boogaloo <laughs> thing that we're... My, I thought Daniel yeah. was trying to convince you to stay for... <laughs> he was. <laughs> and he almost did it. He almost did it. Like, oh, I had man. the register button all ready to go because it really doesn't take much convincing for me to register for an OCR. <laughs> it kind of goes back to what we were just talking about. Like, we were talking about, like, doing the same obstacles on a shorter course and... You know, having that long yeah. drive back to Louisiana and they're doing the the breaking two run here in Lafayette in the afternoon. So we're thinking if we can get back for that so far, by the way, we have 30 people signed up for this. So 30 nice. people running 200 meters at a time. I haven't crunched the numbers because that's not my thing. But we do have a guy in our trail running group that 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 is his thing. So he's like, if we have thirty people running two hundred meters at a time at this pace, then each of us will have this long to rest in between. So mm-hmm. the more people we can get involved in it, um, the better. And so far, we're on pace to at least beat the women's relay record, which I think is like two hours and seventeen minutes. So hopefully, oh wow, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> that's cool well that'll that'll be fun to go back to and sounds like it'll be kind of a party just hanging out exactly. till it's your turn yeah. kind of thing yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be fun just hanging out right on well i'll see you in a couple yeah. weeks and we won't do another episode till after savage race and we can talk about savage race and then you can tell us about how yes. that went that sounds like a plan awesome anything else before no, we go i think i think we got we got deep we got we got yep. fun and playful. I think we we hit all the notes. <laughs> I'm I'm entitling this episode "What Is Your Drive." Awesome, I like it. All right, thanks for listening. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff, and don't forget to follow, listen, and talk. And Anna, see you soon. Salute.
Declan, you want to say hello? No. Bye.